Welcome to the Turning Point Church Podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to start with, with verse 1. As you're finding that, just want to say what a beautiful night we had Wednesday night with our joint service with Barfield Baptist Church. It was phenomenal. The place was packed. Oh, my goodness. The kids did an incredible job. Uh, that word from Pastor Ron it was interesting. It's interesting here. But even the things that he was saying, how it was lining up from last week's message and some of the things that have been happening here, he was speaking directly to this body. And so it was, it was just phenomenal. We loved it. Uh, you could tell there was such a heart of, of joy and, and love for one another. Y'all, that's kingdom, man. I love it. I love it. Jamie, good to see you, girl. Good to have you here this morning. Bless the Lord. I know I'm asking you from a microphone, but can I just go ahead and tell everybody what happened? I know I'm asking. Uh, this young lady, just wave right there. This young lady, um, this last week, and uh, um, I was about to leave. I was about to go to lunch. Uh, our staff was here as well. And also I was visiting with, with uh, Jonathan Lindbergh. Uh, he's been with us before. A uh, man out of uh, uh, Memphis and Nashville. Uh, teen Challenge, um, and uh, we were visiting, about to go to lunch, and this young lady's knocking on the door, and Miss Kim from Barfield Baptist was here, and I said, Miss Kim, Miss Kim, is that, do you know who this is? And she's like, I don't know who that is. I was like, all right, well, then I'll just, I'll just go ahead and answer the door, and uh, 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 she walked in, and she said, she said all, all I know is I saw the sign, it said turning point, and I need a turning point, and so uh, we came into the sanctuary. She gave her life to Jesus Christ. We prayed. Glory to God. That's one more added to the kingdom. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll, 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 we'll celebrate. She gave her life to Jesus, and her life is now on a new path. And, Jamie, just as I told you in that conversation, he that is in Christ, in your case, she, she that is in Christ is a new creature is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. You've been born again, young lady, and it's good to have you in the house of God. Y'all, make her feel welcome into the family of God. Bless the Lord. Four months ago wouldn't have been the right timing. Four months ago, there wouldn't have been a turning point sign out there. Whatever you've been waiting on God for, let me tell you, his timing and his ways are perfect. Y'all, there is something to be excited about. What he is doing right now, that wasn't even on a Sunday. That wasn't on a Sunday. That wasn't on a Sunday Jamie, what you don't know is that we've prayed for those kinds of things to happen for years. 
We've prayed for those kinds of things to happen for years. Lord, that, that people would be led into this place and they would give their hearts to Jesus Christ because they would find something real in God that they hadn't been able to find elsewhere. They're going to find something. My goodness, what God wants to do in our lives and what he wants to do in this community is beyond anything that we've been able to think or imagine to this point. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, hasn't even entered into the thoughts of men what God has planned and what he has in store, what he has in store. We need to submit the plan to him. We need to submit it. We need to submit it. I know that was the message last week, but I'm just hearing it again because I guess, because I'm telling you what, the service that I went to this morning looks nothing like how we operate a service here. Same spirit. Same spirit, but does not look like the song service that we had. In fact, they didn't even have a team. They sung with a CD, and they had three singers that get up there. They sing the CD. Sometimes they got a band that comes in and helps them out from time to time. Didn't even matter. They started service with four different people rotating, and they had us repeat a lot of things, all scriptural things. Then they would have us pray together, and then they did a testimony time. I was like, are they going to sing songs at all? I didn't even know if they were going to sing songs. I had no idea. It was 45 minutes before we got to the first song. But you know what we were doing? We were praying. We were calling out to God. So it's not about our style. It's not about our system of how things are done. We can buy into that this is how church goes, and we don't need to buy into that. We need to buy into this is God wants to do a thing. He do it His way. Do it His way. Do it His way. Maybe I'll get to this. Matthew chapter two. We're going to start with verse one. Please stand again. Matthew chapter two, starting with verse one. Oh, and then the man is looking at me and he says, and this is, this is, this is 2019, but we're going into 2020, and uh, 20 plus 20 is, is 40, and that's something about you and something about, he said, March and 40. And I'm like, I'm 40 and my birthday's in March. And there, there are people who will say, what do we need the gifts for? What do we need the gifts for? You have any idea what one word from God does? What one word from God does? My goodness, my goodness. Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, okay, so this is, this is afterward. In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east. We've come to worship him and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled. 
and all of Jerusalem with him. How is that possible? How is it that the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, the ones looking for the Messiah, are troubled at the sound that these foreigners come in and say, guess what? A king was born. And so what did he begin to do? He gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he began to question them, inquire of them, where is the Christ? Where was the Christ to be born? And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among all the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the time of the inquiry starts after the Magi get there, not before. Verse 7, then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time that the star appeared. And so then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star, which they had seen in the east, same star, went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house, and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then, having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Lord, help us to see in your word things we've never seen before. Speak to our spirit this morning, Lord. Speak to our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead, grab your seat. Well, don't grab it, just sit. The Magi that came were a collective. We say, we say, we three kings of Orient are a song, song, just some of the assumptions that we make from the text. What we do know is that there were three gifts. Okay, so the wise men that came were a company of scholars. These are men who specialized. These were men of great knowledge. They specialized in astrology, medicine, and the natural sciences. These are men who studied the heavens. And the interesting thing is if you look back in Genesis that on the fourth day, something happened on the fourth day, the Lord said that he created the stars and lights in the sky. He said, let us make lights in the sky that will be for signs and for seasons and dates upon the earth. So God placed the lights not for horoscopes and zodiacs. They were placed in the star, the stars were placed in the sky for his people so that they would be able to study and to see. And there's some incredible, incredible uh, understandings there that I'm not going to go into this morning, uh, maybe someday in the future. Uh, I'll talk more about that. That's not my objective this morning, and I promise God I'm not, I wasn't going to get caught, caught up in all of that. But it is phenomenal. Those, those signs, even the constellations, 
they ha- some of them have mythological names to them, but those constellations actually speak to the birth of Jesus Christ. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. In this account, we're talking about uh, the, the Magi and the, and the response of the people of Israel when, when they start to show up. Uh, and, and the gifts that they, they, they brought, maybe some of you may know this, but just to bring us all onto the same page, the gifts they brought were significant in that gold was a customary gift for fitting for a king. So bringing gold was, was stating that they, frankincense was a very rare and beautiful fragrance <clears throat> that they burned, that used only to burn in the worship of a deity. So not only did they see him as a king, they saw him as a king that was a deity as well. And the third being myrrh, which was a key ingredient uh, uh, with a mixture of spices to prepare bodies for burial. And so it was prophetic of, of, of what Jesus came to do. And so these men from the east that, that came, uh, these men of knowledge, uh, uh, there is some discrepancy on where they came from. We know it's at least a minimum of 400 miles, and it could be 1,000 miles where they came from. And so it could have taken a month to months for them to travel. The point is, is that when they saw the star in the heavens and when it appeared, something happened in them. Something happened in them that a town of Bethlehem couldn't open up a room for. Something happened in them that said, we need to go see this thing. Remember, it was a similar response with the shepherds. When the shepherds experienced the host of heaven in the field, singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill to men with whom God is pleased. What did they say? Come, let us go even now unto Bethlehem and see this thing. Shepherds and wise men have this in common. We need to go see this thing. And whatever it takes, we've got to go see this thing. Because this isn't normal. This isn't normal. One of the elements that we touched on last week, the arrival of, arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem, and we talked about how he was already filling prophecy with the no room being in for him is an indictment on the nation of Israel that he was to be the stone that the builders rejected. He was already being rejected even at his birth. By the time the Magi arrive, they estimate the child could have been anywhere from three months, could have been up to upwards of 18 months, depending on how long they had to travel. These men, they didn't come because they had goods to sell. They came because the star declared that there was a deity king that had come into the earth. Again, Herod in the town, Jerusalem, chief priests, scribes, everyone was troubled by the news. I'm just wondering how in the world did they get caught by surprise in this? How did they miss this? What possesses a company of non-Jewish, heathenistic people with no apparent connection to Yahweh to set everything aside, to set aside all of the plans, everything that they were doing? Hello, Disruptive December. Accumulate kingly gifts and decide on a journey that would take months, possibly years of their lives, to come and lay down their gifts and to bow before a baby and to worship him. Something more than curiosity 
causes that kind of decision. There's something happening. What is significant here is that the Magi are the first recorded Gentiles in the Bible to worship Jesus as the Son of God here on earth. I hear preachers say it. I'm going to use it this morning. If I had a title for this, I would title it. In other words, it's a way of saying there really is a title. Uh, I would say it is the perfect gift. The perfect gift. And church, I can't, I can't help but focus on the relationship aspect of this whole faith life. The relationship is so, it has such tremendous bearing on how we walk this thing out. The, relation, the relationship. Faith being relational, that's the compass. We can't afford, to, afford religion to be in the driver's seat. Can't afford it. The Father, the heavenly, the heavenly Father's idea of the greatest gift is, is love. And love is spelled J-E-S-U-S. I don't, how many of y'all are done with your Christmas shopping? How many of you were just done? How many? How many think you're done, but sure enough, there might be something else that's like, you know what, well, yeah, we can do that too. I don't, I don't know about you, but this, this time of year when I'm on the search, I'm looking for the perfect gift. Any other fellows that way? I'm looking for the perfect gift, and especially when it comes to my wife. I'm looking for the perfect gift. I don't know exactly what it looks like. Um, sometimes I, I have an idea, but I'm just, I'm just on the search, and it's like, it's like finding my wife. I'll know it when I see it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the thing. I'm just looking for this perfect gift. And I want it to be a showstopper, right? I want it to be like, oh, she's going to laugh, she's going to cry. Like, every gamut of emotion needs to happen when she opens this gift. Like, this is the best thing. You were so thoughtful. I want to start hugging me and kissing me, and I'll stop there. Ivy was actually telling me about a survey uh, that was taken to find out what's the most wanted type of gift. And, and I was like, well, well, sure. I mean, especially now in this age, it's got to be something technology. It's got to be a tech gift or it's got to be clothes. There, there's clothes and then there's a separate, there, there are two separate categories outside of clothes called socks and underwear. Like that's just, they go in their own separate thing, Right. There's clothes, and then there's, there's that. Maybe it's kitchen stuff. Maybe it's decor, or maybe it's one of those commercials. Who gets a car with a bow on top of it? I don't know. I don't know who those ads are geared toward, but it's not our family. I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe that's the perfect gift. But it was the type of gift, and in the genre, do you know what the number one type of gift was? It wasn't any of those. It was experiences. Oh, we're making the connection already. See, I don't even have to preach this thing. Let's stop right there. We can go. Experiences. And more specifically, experiences with the people they love. 
experiences and encounters. What does that tell us? That the who is always greater than the what. Always. The what is secondary. The what is the added benefit of being with the who. My dad was a great gift giver. He loved giving gifts. He was a very generous person. When it comes this time of year, I'm not going down the list trying to remember all the things he got me. I go down the list trying to remember everything he is, who he is. What I miss now is not the stuff he got. What I miss now is the him who gave it. The what is just the added benefit of being with the who. That's why seeking first the kingdom, then everything else gets added. Kingdom is synonymous with king because where there is no king, there is no kingdom. Seeking the king. So husband, wife, dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, brother, sister. At the end of the day, all they really want is you. It's time with you. There's a man of wisdom um, uh, who, was, who was speaking to his friend. His friend was incredibly wealthy, incredibly wealthy and had one son. And uh, this, this, this wealthy man reached out to this, um, to this, to this my relationship with preacher, evangelist, reached out to him and, and said, my, my relationship with my son, there seems like to be nothing that I can do to restore this relationship. He hates my guts. He wants nothing to do with me. And he said, and I'm telling you honestly, I gave him everything he ever wanted. I spared no expense. If he wanted to go on a trip with his friends, I sent him. If he wanted this car or that car, I gave it to him. If he wanted this job, if he wanted, if he wanted this toy, it didn't, it didn't matter. I gave it to him. And the man responded. He said, he said what time have you spent with him? He said, I don't see how, that, how that, that'll make much of a difference. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and have one day with him and let him talk and not say anything and just let him talk and spend the day with him. He said, man, that's not going to work. He doesn't want to be anywhere near me. He said, just try it. The man did within 24 hours. That father and that son were reunited, restored, had conversations, had the deepest conversations they had ever had in their life. He heard from his son things that he didn't, he didn't even know that he had been dealing with. And all the son ever wanted was time with his dad. He didn't care about all the gifts. He wanted that. In relation to our connection with the father, this is what needs to switch in us. Experiences and encounters and, and, and adventures with him. That's what needs to switch in us this morning and this Christmas. I feel like we have, and, I, and I've had to repent of this, but we've got to move from, from being gift-greedy children of God who just want what he does and what he can give. It's time to be those who have discovered that having him is peace and life and joy. Having him, that's where the life is. 
And the thing is, is that we're so wanting God to fill our wish list that he has become more the Santa than the Savior. Santa rules this culture this time of year. And so God has become more like our, our genie, which we hope our wishes come true, and more like Santa, that we hope we get what we ask for for Christmas. And that's the wrong motive out of our heart. <laughs> and we can't tell the difference from the gift that is inside from the paper and the bows that it's wrapped in. The gifts of God are the wrapping paper and the answers are the ribbons and the bows. Let me help prove it. He didn't say that in his gifts are pleasures forevermore. He didn't say in my gifts are pleasures forevermore. He said in my presence is pleasures, are there pleasures forevermore. Where I am, that's where the pleasure is. Where I am, where my presence is, that's where the goodness is. Moses saw it that way. That's why I love Moses. He said if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. What was he being tested in? He was being tested in the promise. The promise was the gift. It was the gift to come. Land flowing with milk and honey. There it is, Moses. You can have it. This entire tribe of people is about to go in. And he said, it doesn't matter how good that promise looks. It doesn't matter how clean, how pretty, how nice the gift is. If your presence isn't there, the gift isn't worth it. It isn't worth it. It isn't worth it. Check your list and check it twice. What is your list telling you this morning? What is your list telling you? The list of requirements and the requests that you have of God. Is it a Christmas list or is it something that you want God to do in you? Something that needs to change, something that needs to shift. My goodness. Oh, I've been saying this, man. It's just, it's just lightning in me. If I have him and nothing else, I have everything. If I were to tell our boys this morning, if we were to sit down and tell our boys this morning, we've had some hardship this year, kids. We're not going to be able to get gifts like we wanted to. We're not going to be able to have the Christmas like we wanted to. You know what their response is going to be? So much better than my response would be. Mom, Dad, it's okay. As long as we're together. That's, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're fine with that. We don't have to have all the stuff. That's the thing. That's the place we've got to come to as children of God. We don't, the, the stuff is great, but all of that is just icing. It's just wrapping and bow and ribbons. It's all the stuff. The real gift is him. He's the perfect gift. Boom, title. <laughs> yeah, we can have fun. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. This is how our worship life, and I phrase it that way specifically, our worship life takes on a different dimension, like the dimension of the wise men. They saw the star in the sky, but they didn't come seeking a sign or a miracle, and they didn't come with prayer requests. Their worship was authentic in that they brought the gift. They brought the sacrifice. They did the bowing. They brought the worship. And a greedy children, gift greedy children of God culture is the one that's always like, me, 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 what I need, 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 need. And the next service, I hope I get what I need, 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 and what I want, want, want. And that's not it. That's Berenstein Bears with the case of the gimmies. Flashback, flashback. Mama got that book for us. Anybody else read Berenstein Bears? Whatever. There's probably some biblical aspects in it. We'll move on. 
Their worship was authentic. It was genuine because they were bringing the worship. They were bringing something unto him. There was also a wise woman. It was another Mary, not the one who gave birth, but another Mary that the word talks about. It was a woman with a worship that was so intimate that some in the room perceived it as scandalous. It was so over the top and so excessive that some perceived it as ludicrous. It was a worship that was so expensive that some perceived it as wasteful. How does it happen? Where a broken woman walks in to a crowded room carrying her most precious possession, the most valuable possession she owned, and breaks it over Jesus, weeps uncontrollably uncontrollably as her spirit breaks. How could she do that? Cece Winans knows how. You weren't there the night you found me. You might have to sing it, Leah. You did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his arms all around me. You don't know the cost, y'all know it, of the oil in my alabaster box. We put that song on repeat last night, didn't we, Susan? Jesus said, from now on, wherever this gospel is preached, this woman and what she has done, it will be told of her for what she did. Leave her alone. For ever since I walked into the room, you did not offer to anoint me. You did not wash my feet. And she has not stopped doing that since she arrived. Leave her alone. So before you turn your nose up on someone else's worship, remember, you weren't there the night he found me. You didn't feel what I felt when he wrapped his arms around me. It's a worship that says, what can I bring, not what can I get? What can I bring? What can I bring? And that my worship is somehow a matching level of the, of the goodness that he, has, that he has shown me. Guess what? You can't even begin to fathom his goodness. <sighs> Your praise will always be limited if it's in direct connection to what you've received. It'll always be limited. Count me in with the one that was extravagant in her worship rather than, a, than the offended one in the corner with the ulterior motive. The religious people, get this, the religious people always think that someone or something else is more deserving of it than Jesus. The religious people always think that there's something else or someone else that's more deserving of it than Jesus. That's the response that came from the room. I said, why is she wasting this? This could be given elsewhere. It could be sold. And if you're looking at it, that's that, well, man's got a point. He only has a point if you haven't had an experience that says you weren't there the night he found me. You didn't feel what I felt 
when he wrapped his arms around me. You see, until there is that encounter, that experience, that relationship side of things working, it will always be a relationship with the hand of God, not with the heart of God. What he's got, what he can do. Uh-huh. Side note, can I? Thank you, Jesus. Can I speak to something here too? This is, this is not gender-specific worship. Wherever this gospel is preached in all of the world, it will be told what this woman has done. That doesn't mean it is strictly a woman's style of worship. It's okay to talk about John, the disciple that Jesus loved, so he says, as he likes to talk about himself. Rested his chest, rested his head on the chest of Jesus. The depth of worship that God would call you to can only be experienced through a depth of love. Remember what he, what he said, he who has been forgiven much, forgives much. He who has been loved much, loves much. Our worship, our worship life, not worship set, our worship life. will be only as deep as our love for him is. Religion doesn't cause you, this is Jesus now, religion doesn't cause you to leave the realm of heaven, put on humanity, and to keep hanging on a cross. Religion can't do that. But relationship does all day. No greater love has any man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Huh. I used to scratch our head and wonder. It wasn't religion. This is, this, is, this is my last illustration here on this. It wasn't religion that caused Paul and Silas to sing praises in prison. It was relationship. Sometimes our theology gets out of whack. And sometimes we'll say things like, we'll say things like, and this is, there's an element of truth here, so hear me in this, but, but we just got to, we just got to praise our, praise our way out. Can I tell you something? Paul and Silas weren't there to praise their way out. Let it connect. Paul and Silas weren't there to praise their way out. They didn't know what God was going to do. It said, and at midnight, Paul and Silas, out of their love for Jesus Christ, began singing praises unto God, singing hymns, calling out to the Lord. Why? Because they knew they were loved by him, and they knew that they loved him. It was the relationship that brought that about. 
They weren't praying and they weren't calling out to God, let my people go. God, you said it to Moses, you could say it to us again, let my people go. They just begin to praise God. And out of that heart, out of that motive, something began to happen. Oh, imagine a worship of our lives that causes things to happen. God, even things that we're not even having to ask. There were desires in their heart, I'm sure. God, we don't want to be in this situation. But you know what? These men saw their lives so connected to Jesus, they saw it an honor to be considered worthy of suffering for him. They were praising God because they were in prison. They weren't praising God because they were trying to get out. They were praising God because they were in the situation. God, that you would consider us worthy. See, that kind of thinking, that kind of heart, I got loud there for a second. That kind of thinking and that kind of heart is not religion-based. It's not religion-based. Religion-based Christianity won't get you anywhere. It's not going to get us anywhere. And this is what God is doing during this time. Church, hear me in this. This is what he's doing. He's breaking down a lot of the things that we have, that we have built up. A lot of the things that we have taken time to build up and we say, this is how it's done and this is how, this is how we do it. They were praising because there was a relationship. They were praising because they had encounters and experiences. I'm not praising him so he can get me out. He might, but that's not my motivation. Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was not a lack of faith when they walked in and what, and what they said to the king. Our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, it's not a contradictory statement. Get over it. Our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't change how we feel about him. It doesn't change where we stand. We ain't bound to what you got before us. We ain't bound to that. It's not changing how we think about him. It's not going to change our love for God. We love our God. We've been called according to his purpose. That's not going to change. We're staying right where we believe. I'm praising him because he is good with or without the miracle. Can we say it? He's good with or without it. So here, I'm going to wrap this up. It's to get as close to Jesus as possible. That's something else that God has been saying to us, yes? We're going to be a people in a church whose goal it is to get as close to Jesus as possible. It's got to start with stopping. we got to stop worshiping him for what we can get and start worshiping him again for who he is. The perfect gift is not the one I'm asking for. The perfect gift is the one he's already given. The one everything is all wrapped up in, and that is Jesus Christ. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.